Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the official Tennis.com podcast featuring professional coach and community leader, Kamal Murray. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. I'm your host, Kamal Murray, and we are here for our check-in with Craig O'Shaughnessy. We've got a lot to talk about um, leading into the U.S. Open. Uh, A lot has happened since the last time we spoke. French Open, Wimbledon, Carlito and Novak twice. Tommy Paul and Carlito twice, uh, and then Iga, right, as we head into the to the U.S. Open swing. So, Craig, thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure. I always love talking tennis with you. We kind of find that that nice ground where we where we dig in, not too deep, but we dig in and um, and chat about some really amazing things that matter to winning and losing. So, always a pleasure. Yeah, man, let me tell you, I, this has been interesting because we saw Alcaraz barely be able to complete the match in French Open. Yeah. Then we see him come back and, and beat Novak in Wimbledon. Mm-hmm. And honestly, in dramatic fashion, I, I feel like, you know, Novak had his shots, but he didn't have many shots, um, mm-hmm. you know, many chances to win, I should say, right? He had a little glimpse in the second, uh, but he didn't really have many chances. So, I'm curious to know what you think was so different um, about, you know, in the match between the French Open final and the women's final. Yeah, I was I was lucky enough. I took my son with me. We spent the entire two weeks at Roland Garros watching everything. Um, then we went, I, I took my son to Northern Italy. We did three weeks of camp up there with the Italian Federation and then two weeks at Wimbledon. So we watched a lot of tennis together. Um, let's start at Roland Garros where he cramped after a couple of sets, you know, the moment got to him and, you know, we've got to remember he's still a young kid. He's, he's accelerating at a pace we've probably never seen, maybe Rafa. Um, He's doing amazing things, but he just wound himself up and made the match and the moment and the result bigger than it needed to be. And, you know, we've all been in that situation where you go out there and you want it so bad but the nerves create tension in your muscles. And after a couple of sets, he seized up because, you know, the, the, the nerves got to him because of the, 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 the tension got to him. And that was it. So unfortunately, that happened. But he learned from that. Um, winning Queens was everything for him because that got him to a place on grass where he felt comfortable. So that that week there at Queens with probably five or six matches that he played was instrumental, really, really important. And then when we go to the Wimbledon final, um, he comes out flat. He comes out, things aren't good. He goes down, I think, five love, not playing poorly. Novak was certainly okay. on. Novak was up for that. Not playing poorly, but certainly not what we expected. And then hangs around in the second, hangs around, gets the crowd behind him, plays some pretty good tennis, gets it to a breaker, 
is down break point and they get, you know, excuse me, down set point. Uh, they get into a regular kind of rally. The ball goes over, comes back. Novak's got a backhand. He'll make 21,000 times out of 21,001. And he hits <laughs> this routine backhand. He, he, Alcaraz hit this slightly deep ball. He took a step back. There's no problems. It hits the tape. I zeroed in and I took out in Darfish. I zeroed in. You know, the, if the, the cord, the neck cord is kind of here and you, and it hits, it hits in the middle. And if it's half an inch higher, it dribbles up and goes over. Um, the the nets at Wimbledon are notoriously soft when the ball hits it. Yeah. So he's yeah. a quarter of an inch off two sets. He loses that point. He makes another unbelievably routine backhand error, decides to serve and volley down set point now, hits a great serve and volley, Alcaraz on the full stretch, bunts it down the line for a winner. It, it's Novak's incredulous that he's not up, certainly after the great start, he's not up two sets to love. He has another opportunity at the start of the, in the start of the fifth where he has break point. He's dominating. Alcaraz is running around defending like crazy. Novak ends up with this on the back foot, swinging high volley that's difficult, awkward, misses it, doesn't break. And in the next game, um, he gets broken. And then I could see it coming out of my phone up. I'm taking pictures and I'm like, I, I know what's coming here. He's two steps away from walking in front of the umpire on the net post. And he takes two steps and just rears back and just pulverizes his racket. And, um, <laughs> and that was it. The only glimmer of hope that he had was when it got to... Um, Alcaraz serving for the match at 5-4. I could just see, I was watching intently Novak's body language and the way he came out, he's like, I back my return right now. I think I can break him right now. I'm going to put a lot of returns in play and I can break him here at 5 all. Alcaraz made six straight first serves. That was the match. He, mm. I think two drop volleys, one amazing volley, excuse me, two drop shots, one he won, one he lost, and then an amazing volley there. And then he was the champion out of nowhere. So um, always after Wimbledon, you've won it. It's amazing. You've got all the press. You want to have a little bit of a rest. And then you come back. You you got to change continents. You go to go to Montreal or, or Toronto this time. Um, you got to change temperatures. You got to change everything. And it's your first tournament back. There's always a lot of surprises in Canada because of that. And yeah, he got upset there. And he's kind of struggling his way through Cincinnati. But I think you'll find his legs here very soon. Now, let's talk about the return game. Because one of the things that I noticed about Novak was, you know, on a grass court that's normally pretty quick, um, he was standing, you know, a foot in the sideline with a wide base, giving up probably the quickest target, which is the tee. And I was curious if why do that in the third, right? I mean, in the fifth. You know what I mean? I was I was thinking he should have probably made Alcaraz choose versus sort of force him. Because, you know, when Alcaraz thought had had time to think on the clay, we see it got to him, right? And I think for a young player. Sometimes, now granted, he's the best player in the world, okay? But for a young player, sometimes having them to have to play, be physical, and think in a fifth set at Wimbledon could be all you need. And so I felt like he gave Alcaraz a gimme by, especially on the do side, 
basically just letting them have the tea, right? And Alcaraz says, okay, fuck it, I got to take it, right? Mm -hmm. um, I know you have some video of Novak's sort of return stance. Mm -hmm. And I'm mm -hmm. wondering, you know, what makes Alcaraz make six first serves? Mm -hmm. Because he only had one place to hit it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, you know, you and I could probably make six first serves if we just say, okay, I got to serve it there. Right. Right? You it's nothing great. to think about. Yeah. You make a great point. And over well, the low part of the net. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and right before I show you this, I'm going to share my screen with you and show you this. I was on the court this morning. I, I haven't really gone out and played tennis, played competitive points in a while, but I've got a good junior. It's 15. It's a great ball, one of the top-ranked juniors in Texas. And we did a drill this morning where he had to – he was serving the whole time. Juice caught out, caught, juice caught out, caught, 20 minutes him serving. And um, and we counted – I call it perfect points, where we only count the points that he plays well or I play well. The rest we dismiss. Well, I, since I hadn't played in a while, I had to kind of find an advantage. So mm. I naturally – stood up on some second serves. I twice, I chipped and charged and came in. And then a couple more, I stood way back. But as soon as I started standing in, he double folded twice in a row. As soon as I started mm -hmm. standing back, I'm going high and deep with lots of spin. Um, it's rushing his serve plus one forehand where I got some errors. I go slow to the backhand. He wasn't stepping in. It was innate in my tennis DNA to move around on the return and provide different looks to extract errors. And it, it, it's exactly what you said. Why didn't Novak provide a few? Why don't players in general, it's not just Novak in that final, in that moment, I feel it's a lost art of moving mm. around and, and showing different positions. You know, who does it these days? Who is showing different positions? Not sure. Yeah, I, I feel... Uh, I was just in Cincinnati, and that was one of the things I was kind of locked in on. I thought about Novak. He just sort of made the job very simple for Carlito. He was like, all right, yeah. I'm just going to give you this. You got to serve it here. Yeah. Carlito was like, okay, well, I got to serve it there. So now I don't have anything to think about. You know, my yeah. options, my my plus ones from the T are bang and bang, right? Yeah. I got the low net. I'm a little tight. So having the low net in fifth set where your legs might be a little gone and you're a little tight is a true gift that I think Novak gave him. And I think that was one of the, and, and think about it. You don't have a lot of, um, when you get to the fifth, there's only one more adjustment to make. You know what I mean? Like there's going to be one adjustment, one counter adjustment, but I saw, you know, if I had to pick a, a you know, people who do it, um, like Garcia, people play a lot of doubles and like really try to return mm -hmm. well, right, and intimidate you with their return positions or force you to think. I mean, I think Garcia does it well. You know, if I had to pick a, a woman that does it well, it's Caroline sure. Garcia. Uh, but it is a lost start. You know what I mean? Let me share my screen with you. Um, can can you see that there? Can you see that Wimbledon center court? Yeah, got it. Right. This is on the right is Neil Stubbley. He's the head groundsman. John is the assistant head groundsman on the left. And that's me and my son. This is about an hour after the final Neil was so nice to invite us out there and to walk around the court and chat about the final. But what I what I want to show you here is one of the things we looked at was this. This is in the juice court. My son had to put, he's 16, he had to put his feet extra, extra wide to stand in the exact same spot 
I, call, I called them at the time these tram lines that Novak had worn. And Carlitos was kind of around there as well. But Novak played all of his matches on, on center court here. And Novak, this is exactly where he stood. So you can see it's wide. He is taking the wide serve away. And let's go here to, um, I've got a, a few points, but I'm going to scrub all the way to right here. So there's Novak standing in that position. We're in the fourth set here, but you can see this is this is where he's at. And he kind of screws himself. I'm going to rewind back just a little bit here. So he walks up. Now, watch the energy. I'm going to go slow motion. He almost, I got this feeling that he screws himself into the ground. Like, look at those legs pumping up and down a little bit. And that enables that mm -hmm. connection to the ground that he can then come out of. Look at him dropping down into the ground there. Super wide, much wider than most players. And then Novak is typically going to take that small step, that tiny little step, and then against the first serve, and then he's going to do a regular split step. And then he's going to try and go forward. But that, as you pointed out, he is giving with that position. He is giving up the tee a little bit. And that's what Carlitos really dined on in that last game. Um, that's an ad court. You can see this is Carlitos now. We've got a different kind of foot movement. So what he does is it's almost like a bunny hop to start with. We saw Novak do one step and then a full split step. Carlitos does a, a bunny step, a little step, which we see there, and then a bigger step. So they go about it a little bit differently. Let's see if we can get him in, in the ad court again. Do we have another ad court? That's him moving in. Yeah, so this is Carlitos. You can see he's a little bit wider. Mm -hmm. And there's your little bunny step and there's your full step. So, but again, you're giving up the T. You're giving up the T exactly like you said, and it's really tough to cover that. So on the quick court. Yes, exactly. So if I just yeah. pause that there and we look at that, um, you know, as these guys may counter, you know, come on and talk with us and they may counter. So, well, at least we're covering something. Um, we see here, especially that, that, you know, the, the, the problem is there's no changing. There's no, I'm a little bit in, I'm a threat to chip and charge, which Carlitos actually did a couple of times in the final. He did come in on, on a return, but Novak didn't. But I think there's still value in today's game to move around on the return a little bit, to stand in, to stand back, um, to, to throw. You know, I did it this morning. I got two double faults immediately. Mm -hmm. I don't see why that doesn't happen on the pro tour more. I think they're missing the boat and just doing what feels comfortable for them instead of doing what, um, you know, what the opponent doesn't like. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like when you're, when you're a seasoned player, obviously Novak is a lot more seasoned uh, and his biggest advantage is not physical. It is mental. And I yes. feel like in the fifth set mentally, if you can make the younger person think. Yes. And you see where he is in the ad court, he's much wider. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's like, please, come on, you can drive a truck through the T, right? Yeah. So, and, and maybe one theory is, you know, if I'm going to fall one way, I want to fall to the middle, right, back in Correct. the court. Yeah. Uh, but I think you're way too far there. You're simplifying the game plan for a young player who you want to think in this moment. Yeah. Uh, and I think that, that to me, just sort of let the fifth set get away from Novak. Mm -hmm. um, especially being on the court three hours. Right now I got a rhythm for it, you know, so – yeah, um, that 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 part, I think sort of backfired on him. So yeah. what do you what do you think it means now? 
headed into the open because you know you see Tommy Paul got to win on Alcaraz again, little hangover effect. Uh, you saw with Vondrosova um, in yeah. in Canada as well, a little hangover effect. What do you think it means now for the U.S. Open, particularly between Novak and Carlito? I think Novak is probably a lock to win, Cincy. Um, if I look at the scores, he's he's not struggling, right? Yeah. Yeah. Carlito's been pushed to three sets, right? You know what I mean? So, uh, but then U.S. Open, I think uh, things change, right? And, and you know, that's the Super Bowl of our sport. There's going to be a lot of marketing, media, Madison Avenue type of responsibilities on Alcaraz being the defending yeah. champ. And I think Novak is better to handle that overall environment where there could be a little shock to the system for a player like TFO, right? For a player like Alcaraz to have to show up to New York, have all the additional press responsibilities that perhaps you didn't have last year. What do you think? that this one-to-one now in slam finals means for the U.S. Open? Um, I I think, you know, I, I just immediately go back to Rafa, um, which has nothing to do with those two players. But, you know, in when Rafa winning 14 Roland Garros titles, typically he did it by building momentum in Monte Carlo, going in and winning that, and then going to Barcelona and winning that, then going to Madrid and generally winning that or doing well going to rome and doing great there and he just comes in with with a mountain of confidence and um you know the toughest point to win was was break point on rafa's serve you know he would get into that situation you just you, you couldn't touch him so if we kind of parlay that over here now i still think alcaraz i i i think he's got enough time to um to keep building to keep building mm-hmm. in Cincinnati. So when we look at the draw, he's got Max Purcell now in the quarters. Um, Max is, uh, sorry, that's a cupcake match. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then he's got the winner of Hercatch and Popperin, um, which is you know Alexi's having a great tournament, the best tournament he's ever had. Uh, Hercatch is serving amazing. So you know, true to form, he gets through that. And then on the other side, you've got Djokovic and Taylor Fritz. That that could get tough. And then you got Manorino and Zverev, and Zverev could be tough. So I still think that there's a little bit to play out um, for both guys to get through. Zverev could get sticky. Hercatch could get sticky. Um, and then and then th- these guys play each other in the finals. So I'm not sure. I, I, I put it more even. I put it more even. You know, at Wimbledon, I said, when everybody asked me, who do you think is winning? I'm like, Novak's going to win. And until he loses, until he loses, let's not even talk about anyone else. I don't want to. I don't want to entertain second place. He only lost. It took you know the, the very last game in the fifth set before he finally lost that match. Before he was really out of that match. So I think they're much more even coming in. Um, you know, with Alcaraz, um, you know, already winning there. I, I think he can do it again. So I'm not as much of a lock on Novak. As as I as I as I certainly was at Wimbledon. I, I think it's much more even. 
Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now, what do you think about TFO? I wonder about Francis. Uh, um, let me say not wonder. Worry is probably uh, more of, of what I'm sort of feeling. Um, going back to the U.S. Open, right? Sort of like, I don't want to say where it all started, but where it all sort of exploded, right? Sure. Um, for him. It's been a year since. We've seen him struggling kind of right now. Um and he doesn't look settled on the court, and I'm not sure what that is. But I worry about handling the 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 return, right? And he's American, right? So Alcaraz and Novak will have their normal stuff to do. Francis, being American, will have thirty percent more. Um, and so I worry about sort of him returning that and maybe duplicating it. And honestly. You know, you hear players talk about, I got to defend, I got to defend, I got to defend. I mean, having to defend yeah. this, your first Grand Slam semifinal is a lot. Yeah. Um, what do you think is going on? What First of all, what do you think about how he's been playing? And then what do you think is perhaps disrupting his rhythm? Because right now he seems out of rhythm. Yeah. I haven't watched him a lot on in these last two tournaments. I haven't watched, uh, you know, a lot well, of You haven't had a chance. He hasn't won as many matches. <laughs> right? Jeez. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I, I I didn't see the match. I don't exactly know. But what I'm going to answer it in in this question is that I'm just going to pop through. I've got the um, uh, actually I'm going to share my screen again to to answer this. So I've got this screen right here. Here's your top ten. Uh, excuse me. Here's the Americans in the top hundred. So let's kind of just cycle through these quickly, and um, you you may have more information on those. But you know Taylor Fritz. Could easily make the semis, I think, in in um, in New York. I, I think I think he's done a body of work that's enough. I think Mikey Russell will get him ready. I think a semifinal is is definitely attainable for him. For Francis, um, maybe a little bit more of a reach because of recent form. But you know what? I I'm, I'm not discounting him. You know, tenet, we all go up and down. We all go up and down. Right. Tennis is, is exactly like that. I, I would be surprised if if Francis stayed down uh for the US Open. I would be very surprised. I think I think you know he'll be able to let these let these tournaments go. He'll remember back to those times. Um I, I think he'll be okay. I, I'm more on the opinion that I think he'll be okay and he'll manage that. Tommy Paul, this could be his tournament. This could be his time to to step up and you know already beating Alcaraz, you know, semi and maybe even a final, doing well in Australia. Um, Tommy, Tommy Paul, time may come. You know, all three of those yeah, guys. He's, he's a dark horse. I think he's yeah. 
I think this could be a tournament to be final eight. Exactly. You know, you you, you pencil in Alcaraz and, and Djokovic in the final, but but somebody's got to make the semis as well. Um, <laughs> those three guys have all, can all make the semis. You you have three Americans that can do it. The draw will play a big part in that. All three of those will certainly. The you know, if I'm working with them, the first thing I'm going to see when the draw is out. Please don't have to play Novak or Carlitos until the semis. That's right. that's the. I don't care who your first round opponent is. I don't care. That's what I'm looking for first. Um, and then when you go down the order, you know, to make quarters, you know, I watched Ben Shelton play at Wimbledon. Um, you know, he had a rain delayed match. He started well, rain delay, came back, didn't finish that well. But, you know, he, he ticks so many of my boxes, the ability to serve and volley, the ability to, to hit, play big from the back of the court, the ability to slice, the ability to sneak in. You know, I think with Ben, it's just... Sometimes he needs one more ball in the court, one more kind of neutral building ball, one more assist, yeah, and then he finds the right ball and then he's good. Um, sometimes it's it's he gets in a little bit of a rush where um, he just needs to slow down for a second and put one more ball in the court and he'll be fine. And if he can find the ability to put that one more ball in the court that that's when he's going to explode because he's got everything. So out of that, the rest of that list, Michael Moe's doing well, Nakashima, I'm surprised to see him at 73. Jerron, good. JJ Wolf is a very good player. McKenzie's doing great. Corder and Eubanks, I don't know. I don't know about those two guys, but out of the rest, Ben Shelton's the one that I think is, um, I, I'm certainly going to be going and watching every match he plays. Yeah, I think Ben Shelton is, his belief in his ability is just amazing. And I think that is where you see him sometimes get a little greedy at times on certain balls, right? Correct. And it's he, a good way of putting it. In his age, you know what I mean? It's In his age, it is, I can, but should I? Because mm -hmm. he's so physical, he's so athletic, he's so fearless. And honestly, I was just talking to his dad. Because he got in this, late, this sport so late, he's football tough. He's not tennis tough. Mm -hmm. he's football tough, right? He, he, you know, not a kid that was raised up through the junior years, you know, the little Mo, the 10s, the 12s, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. He was doing other things. So I say as a competitor, he's 30% tougher than the average tennis player. Um, and I think that's sort of what helps him. But yeah. again, he believes himself. He gets a little greedy at times. Yeah, I think he'll still into that, right? He'll he'll sort of like, eh, right? He'll, he'll sort of <laughs> become a little more calculated. Uh, and he really can do it because he can defend. That's the one thing. When you got a guy like that, he doesn't need to take some of the chances that he currently takes because he can defend. Good point. Right? Some guys take a chance because he can't go get the next one, right? He's not that. He can go get the next one and create and get himself out of trouble. So Absolutely. I think over time he'll get that, but I think it's because he's so confident, right? In the year he's had, now he's got pops alongside of him, kind of yes. like simplifying the game for him, uh, um, which I think is the smartest thing, right? To come back and, and coach your son before he hits the U.S. swing, where it all started for him, to try yeah. to keep it under control before it gets out of control. I think that is, I mean, Brian is making such a smart move because he knows how the world, right, can kind of come up on you, right? How it does 
I mean, I feel like the world has swallowed Francis up in the last year. The NBA relationship, all that kind of stuff, it swallowed him up, right? They were waiting for him, and it came, and now he's, like, fully in it. And I think that's a little bit of what we see now, like deer in the headlights a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. Ben Shelton has got the good. He is somebody that I think, you know, the, the fans at the U.S. Open, if all those people are playing at the same time, if you be, you know, Chris Eubanks is on the court and TP is on the court and Francis is on the court – it's going to be hard not to choose to go watch Ben's match. I will be, 100%. I, I will be a Ben's yeah. match. Yeah, no, no, no question. Yeah. No question. He's going to explode now, at some stage. Now, let's talk about the girls. I think mm-hmm. what's interesting is from the on the ATP side, you almost start at the end and work backwards, right? You start at the final. Okay, we're going to put Novak and Carlos Alcaraz in the final. Yes, and let let's talk about who's going to be in the semis, right? And then let's talk about who's going to be in the quarters. Yes, I think with the WTA, you got to go the other way, right? Mm-hmm. And start at the first and say, okay, here's some matchups. Mm-hmm. Here's who could win this match. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's yeah. What do you think about? I mean, obviously, the most consistent player right now in the favorite is Iga. Um, but she's still beatable. What are your What are your thoughts on Eager right now? Yeah, she is beatable. I just did a the the my pod not my podcast my webinar yesterday um, on match rituals, and the reason I chose that topic was because of her, in that the way that she walks around the court, the way that she composes herself, the, you know, one of the things you look at her matches. She wins an enormous amount of sets, six love, six one, or six two, and an ungodly amount of sets that way. And I'm like, why? How is that possible? What is she doing? So I studied her. I studied her rituals, and I'm like, I I figured you out. And I used her as an example yesterday for a lot of amateur players. Um, she marches around the court. She gives you no time whatsoever as soon as a point ends as soon as a point ends she turns she is gone wherever she is on the court she's gone she's walking to the ball kid she marches she doesn't walk there um she was the match we had was uh an australian open um goodness the other girl just it just popped out of my head I'll, i'll grab in a second the other girl's walking around like how I normally walk in the supermarket. I'm checking out this. I'm going to stop and grab that. I'm just, this is how I like to walk. Why would I change anything? You know, you look at Iga and the point ends and she is so locked in. She goes and gets the ball. She walks very quickly back up there. Um, She takes her time serving. You know, she's got an unbelievably focused look, but plays that point quick, is always looking for a serve plus one for him. The point ends... The ball is basically bouncing and she's already gone. She's already gone to play the next point. So she suffocates you. She takes away your oxygen. And when she's returning, she'll stand back there and and kind of look like nothing's really happening. She's not really a threat. And then when they toss the ball, she goes fast with her feet so that she can crush Mm. that first ball. That first ball is, it's like Serena. Serena didn't want to rally with you. She wanted to end it with the serve and end it with the return. And Iga is very similar on the return side. 
where her feet pump so well and she gets in a position and she gets the ball back on you so quickly, you don't have time to think, you don't have time to react. So these six love and six one and six two sets are the result of her being so quick around the court and her, especially on the return side, wanting to jump all over you at the beginning of the point. Yeah, I think tempo, right? It's like the pace of the match. Tempo. Yes. You know, is one where I'm surprised that the players are still, after after we know that's part of her game, like it's it's one of her tools. In addition to her forehand or backhand or serve, tempo, right, is 100%. one of the tools that she uses to kind of beat you. And so I'm surprised that people still at this point are letting her control tempo because that would be the number one thing. I would take every second I have between points on my serve. I would take every second on the changeover. I mean, I would literally take every second I can to keep her out there as long as I can because I think people who beat her play slow. Mm -hmm. They control tempo, and if she loses rhythm, she gets impatient, right? Because I'm sure she she knows that they're doing it, and she knows they're entitled to that time. Uh, and on her serve, she can kind of control that pace. But on the return games, on the changeover, she can't, right? Um, and so those those people have a good time and a good chance to beat her who control tempo. Um, and I'm, I just, I'm shocked. And that plays into this as well. The only other area of her game that I've seen break down is when you can rush the forehand. Your grip's under, she, you know, she goes big, she's copying rapper. Um, but I've seen her make a lot of forehand errors in a match where that ball just rebounds back quickly. So what it also is, if you combine what you talked about, slowing down the tempo, but also upping the speed to the forehand and you, you get that disparity, that can hurt her. Yes, yes. So is that your pick for the Open? Can, I, can, can we talk after week one? Um, can we? Can I get a couple of matches under my belt and, <laughs> and, and, and see what's going on? I mean, I think there's probably. I mean, with with the guys, you work backwards. So I'm challenging you to work forwards here. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Listen, it's the safest bet. Um, you know, there are other players out there that that can do it, but you know, if if you are literally putting, you know, opening your wallet and putting money, you probably start right there, and you you, you would be silly not to. So yeah. Well, what about Pagula? I would like to see the ability to win some cheaper points, the ability to win some quicker points, the ability not to have to go longer, um, the ability to just you know sometimes use court position and 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 re you know like Davidenko, remember him? Yeah. Yep. Boy, at, at his height. You know, when, when he beat Del Potro in the uh, in the ATP finals, Del Potro says it's like playing PlayStation. Now, Pagul is not really doing that, but if she can add 5% of that, you know, you're not really stepping out. Uh, you know, you're being solid. She loves to be solid. You know, there's attacking. But I'd like to see a little bit more court position, a little bit more taking time away. And if she can add a layer, she's missing a layer. A very yeah. thin layer that she can have, but but it's it, I haven't really smelt that it's there. And if she can add something, a surprise factor, a little bit of wow, you know, we sit back and say, like, whoa, 
she's added something. And that's what she needs to do. There's a layer in there she needs to add. And I think it's court position and taking time away. Um, I would, if she sat down and watched five Davidenko matches on her, you know, on the flight, download them to the iPhone, watch them on the match and go, can I infuse a little bit of Nikolai into my game? Um, then yeah, I would I would like to see that from her. That's good. That's good. I I abstain from picking WTA winners. <laughs> I'm so I'm so conflicted, man. I just you know, ATP. I got I got no problem. You know, I I always you got no horse in the in race. History, been, huh? You got no horse in the race on the ATP side. I know, I got no horse in the race. I always got a horse in the race on the WTA side. Yeah. Always know a little bit, know who's a little bit injured, a little bit ankle tape, a little sure. bit of thigh wrap, you know? So I always abstain. Okay, from, I'll uh, let you off this time. I'll let you off. But 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 it, it, it is going to be interesting. It is so wide open. Uh, I believe we will have a repeat Grand Slam champion. I don't think we'll have a new one. We've seen a lot of first-time Grand Slam champions in the past three years on the WTA side. I think this time it'll be a repeat. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Um, okay. Well, Craig, I will uh, I will, I will. will see you in New York, and we will sit and watch a Ben Shelton match together. Uh, Please. Now, we, we, we book will, that in. Book that in. He's first round. I'm there. Yeah. I don't care if he plays on wherever. Let's go watch that together. And, um, and you know, I, I think we can do a, a whole podcast just on – our analysis of Ben, we should probably do that at the end of week one. Let's do it. The yeah. most exciting American to watch. Um, I, I would say, other than Carlos, like I'm just even going there, going there, I'm going to watch every match Carlos plays for sure. Um, I'm going to watch every match Ben. He's probably number two on my list. I'm going to have 128 men, 128 women. I will watch... If Ben Shelton's playing the exact same time as Novak, 100%, I'm going to watch Ben. 100%. 100%. Yeah, 100%. That, yeah. Novak is great, but it's so routine that I can miss this match. It probably looked like the one before. Exactly right. You know what I mean? It, 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 exactly it right. Like, it probably like the one before. Well, this has been the Tennis.com podcast with the guru, uh, my favorite person to recap slams with. Uh, my favorite person to preview slam with, Craig O'Shaughnessy. Thanks for listening. Mal, my pleasure. Cheers, mate.